0: Will feature industry professionals and other construction industry representatives to help our listeners stay up to date with current and future trends in construction. So here we go. Welcome back to iPodcast AGCMO. Today's guest is Wayne Rivers, and Wayne is the president and co founder of the Family Business Institute. He's written four books on the subject of business families and has been widely seen in the press. So, Wayne, thank you so much for taking time to be with us today.
1: Thank you, Len. Happy to be here.
0: Could you tell me a little bit about the Family Business Institute, what you do, what you are, and really, I guess, since you were a co-founder, what led you to start the Family Business Institute?
1: Well, I was a banker, and uh, we would give friendly advice, and of course, no one took it. And when I was a kid, I grew up poor, and in my little hometown in in rural Virginia, I noticed that the people that seemed to be the happiest and the people that had the best lifestyles were people that owned their own companies. And so I always aspired to own my own company. Well, I wasn't going to start a bank, and I didn't have any money, so I had to (laughs) bootstrap myself some way, and I started up with a company, I was lucky to get hired, and uh, they worked with family businesses on a number of things. So I was in the right space. I felt really good about uh, who I was working with. And um, a lot of our plans, however, went unimplemented, just like when I was a banker, and it troubled me. And so I started thinking about it, and it seemed like that family businesses struggled, not so much on the business operations side, but on the family side. They had they didn't communicate all that well. They didn't share the same vision for their companies and lots of other things. Often there was tension in the relationships.
0: It's really difficult to separate the business from the emotion, isn't it?
1: it it's, it's impossible. We're biological creatures, right? So point to any human being and show me where the emotions stop and the you know, the, the hard business decision part takes over. It just, it just it's just not doesn't there. Happen. So anyway, we we uh, worked with just about anybody and but we really started to like working with contractors. We worked with car dealers and manufacturers and wholesalers and IT companies and all kinds of stuff. There was probably not a business with which we didn't work over the years, but we really liked working with contractors. I think psychographically, contractors were the most honorable people that we worked with they They were just men and women of their word. their word was their bond and and I always thought they were just the kind of Americans <laughs> that we wanted to work with you know as a kid when I dreamed of who I wanted to work with it was it was the salt of the earth kind of people, and that's who contractors are, even even now in 2020, 30 years later.
0: Yeah, there's a lot. Uh, 30 years ago, there was a lot that got done on a handshake and reputation more than contract language wasn't there.
1: Yeah, it was all, it was all about character then and now. Now we document more than we ever did before, obviously. Mm-hmm. But uh, it, still, it still all comes down to character.
0: So you got into it, and then the business started to grow.
1: We grew in fits and starts, like most of your contractor members, and uh, really sort of hit our stride about the time of the Great Recession in 2008, 9, 10, and um, obviously contractors struggled during that period, so we did too. But it gave us a chance to refine our processes, and we really started to get into the peer group business more than anything else, and we started to focus more and more on contractors, I guess it took me about 28 years to be an overnight success. We finally <laughs> figured out that, that having a niche like that is, is better than trying to be all things to all people. Yeah, so here we are now working only with contractors. We've considered you know the, the name of the Family Business Institute implies lots of things. It doesn't say that you, we work exclusively with contractors. But our mission now is simple. We build better contractors. So clearly we're very devoted to the industry and it's been good to us and hopefully we've been able to give something back in the sense that that we are building better contractors.
0: And I know that you've had a relationship with AGC of Missouri and AGC of America over the years. I know a couple of our contractors have participated in your peer groups and have really found it helpful. How did that get started with AGC?
1: Well, we totally blundered into the peer group business. We, We had a client, a mechanical contractor client that was in a self-formed peer group through another association. And uh, they asked us to come to their meetings and ultimately to facilitate their meetings. And, and there again, we're a little bit pig-headed as consultants. We were a little slow to realize that contractors are perfectly willing to take advice. So they'll take advice from an AGC chapter leader like, like you, Len, or they'll take advice from consultants like us. But the people they really want to take advice from are their brother and sister contractors.
0: Somebody who's uh, walked a mile in those shoes.
1: Totally, totally. And now I get it because about six years ago, I got into a peer group of peer group providers.
0: Interesting.
1: <laughs> and and so when all the uh, pandemic stuff began to explode on us, The the first group I reached out to was my peer group, and the first people that our contractors reached out to were the other contractors in their peer groups. And the amount of sharing, the amount of selfless, wide-open sharing, everybody was scrambling because, you know, none of us expected this. None of us knew exactly what to do. And so everyone was scrambling to protect their employees, to protect their subs and trades on job sites, to protect their customers and to protect their businesses. And, uh, golly, the folks, the the men and women in our peer group program shared documents and, and uh, operating procedures and safety procedures, and it was so selfless, it was really amazing to watch. When times are good, as they have been the last few years, you know we know we need our peers, but this drove home that when things are in a little bit of crisis and, and chaos, that's when you really need your peers, when you're not exactly sure where to put your foot next. You need a little guidance, and the best place to get guidance is from men and women that, that live the same life you do.
0: Now, Wayne, how, I understand the general concept of this, but how do the nuts and bolts of this work?
1: Well, contractors have big footprints, so we need a big geography to make peer groups work. So a Missouri contractor would probably be the only Missouri contractor in the group, and he or she would be matched up with contractors of similar size in other parts of the country. So you might have Missouri, New York State, Florida, California, Alaska, Hawaii, whatever. Spread, I mean, really, the the groups are nationwide, in fact, international with Canada. So we've got a big old footprint, and that way we don't have competitors in the same groups. You know, AGC is a wonderful organization, and it provides so many benefits for contractors. But when Missouri contractors get together, they're a little bit limited in the sense that they're sharing, but they're sharing and networking with people that with whom they might compete. And if and you've got guys do, that are 1,000 yeah. miles apart, they can share openly and freely with anything, about anything, and, and they don't have to worry about competition rearing its head.
0: You actually facilitated some of those, I'm assuming, when you were starting?
1: We did, yeah. We we facilitated a bunch. And, and now I think our, thinker, you know, back we started with that one mechanical group. Now we have 30 groups And 75% are general contractor vertical builders. We've got a number of heavy civil groups, a number of trade groups, uh, primarily mechanical and electrical. And then I think we have two masonry groups of all things. So mostly still GCs, but but a little bit of a smattering of the entire industry.
0: Well, let's shift from uh, looking back to looking ahead. What are some of the issues that these people are grappling with that they feel are concerns that they have over the next 24 or 36
1: months? Well, the economy is a big one, obviously, the macroeconomy. We've never quite had this situation before where, you know, a a disease, a pandemic, uh, a a virus has had this effect on our economy. So everybody's concerned about the backlogs, which were terrific at the beginning of 2020, uh, maybe not being as good and going into 21 or 22. So that's the big thing that's hanging over all of us. But I think if you if you get beyond that, it, it seems like if you look at the industry there's a lot of white hair. And uh it you know there's a lot of white hair here in my company. There's a lot of white hair among AGC chapter leaders if you think.
0: Absolutely. About
1: it. And that you know that's that's just the way it is. People that lead companies and organizations tend to be in their 50s or 60s and you know the the, the old hands so to speak. So our contractors are thinking about what's next and so many are struggling with you know I'm a I'm a 50 million dollar gc and I and I'd like to be a little bigger but I'm not sure I have the people and the systems and the programs in place how do I make that leap from 50 to 60 or you know how do we how do we change so we're not doing so much hard dollar bid work and we get into other delivery systems or what people do I need so that I can leave the company one day with with my health and my wealth and and have a good ride into the sunset. So all those things. And it really comes down to professionalizing the companies. Most contractors, Len, as I'm sure you've observed, are very lean in their operations. Yes, sir. Mm -hmm. So everybody does a little bit of everything. And sometimes it's a mad dash just to try to keep up. But to make that leap from being a good construction company to being a great construction company you really have to professionalize the organization and be willing to invest in people and systems uh, because you know once you get beyond a certain size no matter how talented the entrepreneur at the helm is uh, one person can only put his or her hands on so many things during the course of a day or week so you've got to have great people you've got to hold them accountable you've got to trust them to do the things they're supposed to do and and, and, and if you have those things in place, construction, with all that's changed in technology and delivery systems and safety and everything else, it's still very much a people business. And if you've got the right people, there's nothing that can stop you. And if you, and if you have the wrong people, well, you know, I hope you enjoy 75-hour work weeks because that's that's going to be the rule.
0: Yeah, as one contractor put it to me, there's that one split second in time when your backlog is exactly perfect and you've got enough people to do it and you don't have to be looking for work and that disappears in about five seconds because it's such a dynamic (laughs) balance that you're trying to strike every day
1: well that's right if you think about construction now with the pandemic uh, the schedules have pushed so that means that as, as schedules have pushed backwards that's running into new project startups so people are really scrambling now uh, thank goodness there's a little bit less pressure in the hiring market so there are people available now that may not have been available 6 months ago but in spite of that it's just it's just a mad scramble to start up new work and complete old work and construction to me i've always said construction is like being a baseball umpire you've got to start out perfect on your first day and get better every day thereafter
0: Yep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a good way to put business,
1: it. you know. You're only as good as your last job, yep. and uh, yeah. So it's it's a it's a high pressure, low margin, high risk business that attracts a certain kind of person, and that that kind of the, the person that aspires to own and operate a construction company is typically a rugged individualist who is capable of enormous work effort over a period of years, and as I as I say, say to professionalize the company, mean, that means that that rugged individual who has borne so much of the workload for so long has to stop being a doer and start being more of a mentor and teacher and a hirer of other people. And nobody, you know, nobody, Lynn, gets into construction because they want to manage people.
0: Right. right. <laughs> they, they like building things. They like building <laughs> they things like and building like moving things. dirt around and it, yeah. everything that goes along with it
1: exactly it, but really to take your company to that next level whether you're a 10 million dollar contractor trying to get to 25 or you're a 500 million dollar contractor trying to get to 750 it's all about people and ultimately you do have to become a manager and a motivator of people and and if you can do that you can multiply your talents versus just trying to work you know you can only work 24 hours at a time so you're probably not going to get a longer day as much as you might wish for it. But if you have more people, you can multiply your efforts and multiply your success for the benefit of your customers and the people that work with you.
0: That is the ultimate equalizer no matter who I know in this world, everybody, regardless of income, background, anything, we all have exactly 24 hours a day. And that is the equalizer, and how you use them means everything.
1: Yeah, I was just listening to a podcast about legacy, and and actually he was led by one of the people in uh, in my peer group of peer group providers, and he makes the point repeatedly that you have 168 hours a week. Every single human being on Earth has 168 hours a week, and and that's your most valuable commodity. So how you utilize that 168 hours a week is is going to be the determinant of of whether you're personally and professionally successful or not. And you know we we used to have contractors that worked so hard, and I admired them so, but you know, they would have been married three times or they would have had three heart attacks or whatever. And yeah, I guess as a young man, idealistic, I didn't, I didn't pay attention to those things, those, those quote, soft issues. I only paid attention to how much volume and profit the contractor turned out. And now I think as an older, wiser person, I hope that, you know, there is, a, there is value in having a balanced life. And most, most contractors, even today as we observe them, don't have really balanced lives. The demands on their time and attention are so great. Our happiest ones are the ones that have hired great people and have delegated, and they've transformed themselves from, from being project managers or estimators or doers of tasks, and they've become executives. They've become business leaders. And as they've freed up their time from doing those tasks, that gives them a chance to grow their entrepreneurial vision and become an even greater leader and build a bigger, better company that does bigger, better projects for bigger, better clients. So it's it, it really is a virtuous cycle, if you can think about that, 168 hours a week. Now, the problem is how do you go from work, 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 168 hours a week to hiring people and delegating, and that's, you know, that's a period of time and transition that might take, for some people it might take six months, for some people it might take six years, and six years is probably more realistic timeline than six months. Uh, It does take time to transform one's behavior from do it, do it, do it to you know, I want to be an executive. I want to be a construction executive, not a construction manager.
0: Now, if I would like to take advantage of the services that the Family Business Institute has to help me make that transition of how I utilize those 168 hours, what would I do? How do I get a hold of you, or how do I call the Family Business Institute?
1: Oh, sure. Well, our our website is a great repository of of stuff. We have we've I mean, th- in 30 years. You you accumulate a lot of things in the attic, right? So our website is uh, www.familybusinessinstitute.com and and once you come to that website you'll see that contractors are far and away you know the things the things that we think about and live and breathe about every day everything there is devoted to making to building better contractors it's as simple as that
0: Well Wayne I appreciate your time today I hope you keep up the good work and I know that I really on behalf of our members who have taken advantage of your services. It's made them better companies, and I really appreciate all your hard work for our industry.
1: Well, thanks so much. The industry's given a lot back to us, too, and we appreciate your help.
0: Thanks again for listening. It's easy to subscribe to iPodcast AGCMO on almost any podcast platform that you use. We hope you do subscribe and continue to listen as we move forward with this important project for the construction industry. To access our prior podcasts, visit www.agcmo.org not only for podcasts but for additional information about AGC of Missouri.